You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host, Brent Hilburn. Welcome to our next episode of the Georgia Liberty Cast. This is going to be our legislative wrap-up show for 2018. Joining me in studio are Ryan Thomas Graham, the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia and candidate for Public Service Commission Seat 3. Hey, everybody. And Tim Smith, Libertarian Party of Georgia executive committee member and our public policy director. Hello. Welcome, gentlemen. Um, This is our show that we do after the legislative session's over to discuss particular bills that are important to libertarians and also give you an idea of what our legislature is doing. For those of you who don't know, our legislative session here in Georgia is uh, 40 days, thank goodness, and the vast majority of bills, unfortunately, are passed within the last week of those 40 days. This year, our our legislator, legislature passed 92 bills on the final day, 92. So uh, one, of the, one of the people uh, involved with the party, uh, Tim, uh, was instrumental in putting together our public policy committee and had a lot to do down to, you know, our, our committee had a lot to do down at the uh, legislature this year. So I want Tim to tell us about some of our 2018 achievements and, and how LP uh, uh, of Georgia was involved. Okay. Well, I, would, I first want to give a shout-out to all of the team members of the public policy <clears throat> team. Special shout-out goes to Ted Metz, our chair, Lori Williams, <laughs> Ryan's beautiful wife, Ryan Graham, sitting right next to me. You're welcome. David, who is no longer with us, but we miss him dearly. He's alive. I know. <laughs> I can't wait to see him at the convention. And Josh. So public policy, um, really interesting story. I don't know if we really want to jump into it, how, that, how I came about being a um, member of the public policy team. But um, it started off, Ryan and I were talking, and we were like, you know, civil asset forfeiture really sucks. <laughs> you know, it's a really <laughs> sucky thing. To put it mildly, yes. Yeah, I mean... It's really just gross, as Ryan would say. I would say it's criminally vulgar, but Ryan would say it's gross. And that um, rolled into going to um, attending um, public safety meetings, um, city council meetings. Lori spoke um, before city council, right? Mm -hmm. Ted, of course, has been speaking for a good minute. Um, So that's how it started for me, was attending um, city council meetings, public safety meetings, and that got us really involved with um, uh, two issues starting off. It was um, um, cannabis, one ounce or less of cannabis, just a citation. We did win that. Kudos. Yeah. Atlanta. Atlanta. (laughs) So we got that um, knocked out, and then um, also this year we had a win with... Um, cash bail, another big issue um, that we tackled. Want to give a special shout out to Libertarian Party of Atlanta for all of their great and awesome support. Now, regarding what we've done this year in the state um, legislative session, um, the Libertarian Party of Georgia is part of a partnership, several um, advocacy organizations within the state. 
and our partners are mostly attorneys, which comes in handy because these bills are really, really like legalese to the max. It's like instead of just saying the, it's henceforth unto. It, it takes forever. <laughs> and you're going to hear that in a minute when I start introducing the titles of some of these bills. You're going to hear exactly what Tim's talking about. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. So we want to give a shout out to all of our partners in the partnership. They've been a great help. Um, the partnership, um, special shout out to Marissa Dotson. Ooh, Marissa Dotson. <laughs> Uh, Marissa Dotson, um, ACLU, Georgia Appleseed, um, Georgia Justice Project. The list goes on. Literally, it's a list that's really long. Um, but we want to give a special shout-out for them. So the partnership um, decided that we were going to tackle several bills, several pieces of legislation. Legis- legislation, excuse me? <laughs> um, the first bill that we decided that we were going to tackle is Cash Bell. Um, that was a, an issue that we believe that we would get traction on. Um, and the interesting story about Cash Bell, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these bills are introduced um, by the governor. And he does that because through the Governor's Ad Hoc Council. And their form, formal name is the Georgia Council on Criminal Justice Reform. And the council consists of judges, lawyers, there's a sheriff that's a member, there's a state senator, and these guys get together in a room, and they decide on what they want to um, advance as far as criminal justice reform. And one of the bills that they decided that they wanted to pass was SB 407. They decided that, and SB 407, in case you're not aware or you're unaware, it is a um a, a, a bill that is to reform cash bail in the state of Georgia. Excuse me. So that was one of the things that they wanted to um, see change. They wanted to see that if you are, if you're, uh, for instance, here in Georgia, which is really weird, you can be arrested for an offense that doesn't carry any jail time. So one of those offenses is you can be arrested for jaywalking. Really, really mm-hmm. absurd. And we know here in Atlanta that there were homeless people that were um, arrested for loitering. Won't get into the long story about that, but the the law, law enforcement has found many ways to arrest a person, even though the offense is not doesn't carry any jail time. So the council, the ad hoc council, got together and they said, you know, it's really weird. It's funny. It's silly that here in the state of Georgia, you can actually be arrested for jaywalking. We probably should tackle that because what is the point of arresting someone for a crime where there's no actual victim involved? They didn't say it like that, but, you know, libertarian in me <laughs> says... We understand that language. Yeah, yes. there yeah. is no victim, there is no crime. No victim, no crime. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, the public policy um, team, we worked with the partnership um, to push... For SB 407 to be passed, that was a great win for us. Um, there are other pieces of legislation. Yeah. Other pieces of legis- legislation that we are fighting against. We won't get into that because we don't have enough time. But um, we do want to give a shout out and implore everyone listening or watching us that if you have any inclination of, of this really sucks, send me an email. Tim.Smith at LPGeorgia.com, and we will get you connected with your local affiliate so you can jump in in the fight and help. Awesome. So the Public Policy Committee was very busy during that 40-day session. 
very busy. Uh, here's what we've done. Uh, each one of us has picked out some bills from this past session, and we've made a list here, and we're going to go through them one at a time and discuss them, and Ryan submitted a few bills. So, Ryan, HB 505, a bill to end civil asset forfeiture. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so um, the great thing about HB 505 is uh, how simple it is, right? It's uh, two lines crossed out and another uh, one added. So um, basically it gets rid of a bunch of verbiage at the top of the ordinance, the original ordinance or the original law that says um, that the court can throw out or that the court can uh, put civil forfeiture proceedings, they can stay them uh, for good cause, gets rid of that, just says they will do it. Um, so that's, that's the, the first part of it. Um, and then it also says that um, it will stay, um, they'll stay the forfeiture until any sort of convic- conviction. Um, so that, w- that means that a person has to be actually convicted of the crime. They have to you know, go to court, be convicted of the crime, be uh, called guilty, and then, you can, and then they can start proceedings to take their stuff. So what's the current, what's the current law say? Oh, so right now, basically, they have a choice. They can, they can take the this, this stuff before somebody's been convicted of a crime. So if you're driving through Cobb County, I think Cobb County actually has a budgetary line item in their, in their budget that says they're going to raise this much money through this law, um, and you have a briefcase with maybe $10,000 or something, right? You're, you, you just made a big withdrawal because you're going to go make a cash purchase of a car, right. Some, something where you have a lot of money, right? So if the Cobb County police pull you over and they say, Oh, you, sir, don't look like you should have $10,000 cash. It's obviously uh, being used for something illegal. They just take it. They'll, they'll just take the money. And they, they can let you go. They don't have to charge you with any crime. They don't, have to, they don't have to charge you with any crime. They don't have to wait until a conviction. They just get that money. And then you actually have to go through and um, go through the court system and, and fight for your money back. And you actually have these weird court cases where um, the... The money in this case, it would be like the U.S. versus uh, $10,000 and some change. Um, so, and money, an object, doesn't have the same rights as you. So typically what they do is they say that it's guilty um, until proven innocent. Um, and so that's kind of, it throws the whole uh, court system on its head um, and puts you at a very big disadvantage, and you have to fight for your money back, which is ridiculous if you're not convicted of a crime, especially. So, so what's the so, status of HB 505 right now? HB 505 got zero traction. Um, it didn't make it out of committee, um, and I, it's a shame, really. I, I think that there is, um, on, on both sides of the aisle, um, I know federally, um, and I think on the statewide, there is interest in getting this law passed because I think everybody can look at it and say, Hey, the fourth amendment doesn't allow you to take people's property, um, without due process. And this very clearly does that. So, um, I think that there is a little bit of, um, there's interest in getting this done. Well, there's interest in it being done. There's not as much interest in getting it done, which is a shame. Um, and I think that libertarians need to be, you know, shouting from the mountaintops about civil asset forfeiture because it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, completely unconstitutional excellent so that's something that we that's something that the uh libertarian party will be working uh, with our public policy committee and also our advocates to uh get get this bill moving forward get yeah. it out of committee 
and and at least get a vote on it so we can see where our legislators stand. Yeah, and I'm hoping that our uh, candidates are really talking about it on the campaign trail and making sure that it is an issue that's on um, the public's, you know, the front of their brain so that they're thinking about this and really forcing all the other candidates to talk about their position on this because once it becomes a popular issue and people realize it, then um, then it'll get done. But until then, it'll just languish in committee. All right. Uh, I want to talk about one of my bills since since uh, Ryan's bill segued right into mine. That's SB 336. That is the uh, that is where a the the GBI can have a subpoena issued without notifying uh, the subscriber for uh, production of your electronic communications. So basically, what that says is. The GBI, with the approval of one person in the entire state, that's the attorney general, one person in the entire state decides whether that's, uh, whether that's legitimate or not. And then the GBI can issue a subpoena for all your electronic records. That means your phone calls, your emails, and they don't have to notify you about it. So the court doesn't have to actually approve it? There's no judge? The judge will issue the subpoena okay. only in the sense that the attorney general signs off on it. Mm. But what you do is you build a structure that will allow it to, over time, like we know what government does, mm. over time it can erode and then it can, and, and other things can be added uh, very simply. Right mm. now, it's only for specific electronic communications in specific cases. But you know, that's how laws work. They always start out with a, you know the, the the legislature always has a good purpose for it, but then in the end, it all, it always morphs into something else. And of mm-hmm. course, if you agree with it today, because your team is in charge, you may not necessarily want the other team, uh, you know, having the same the, the same levers uh, when that happens. Well, and has there been any discussion around that on? Um how 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 many jumps you can make so say you get a subpoena for person a and they're making correspondence with person b how much of person b's no No, there's no there's no end once the once the subpoena begins awesome there's no end so it it can and sarcasm and you you know and you know nothing about it you know nothing. You you're not notified. So, oh, so no, right. you, you're so unconstitutional. Got yes, it. <laughs> yes. You know nothing about it. So, in essence, it's the equivalent of what the NSA does. Yeah, they just they can have all your communications. So, yeah, I mean, that that's something to watch. Now, as of this, uh, as of this um, recording, none of these bills have been signed by the governor. None. So, there's time for us to appeal to the governor to you know, veto these bills or, uh, you know, some of them are legitimate and need to become law. So, we, you know, we do have time for that. So, Tim, Tim also submitted a list, and, and Tim talked about uh, SB 407, which was the, uh, the criminal justice bill. Uh, Tim, tell us about uh, SR 146, Marcy's Law. Okay, so Marcy's Law, which is a resolution that was passed in the Senate, I was going to bring some aluminum foil because part of me feels that in order for me to s- discuss Marcy's Law, I may have to wear my tinfoil hat. <laughs> but I really don't feel that way because Marcy's Law is very, very scary. Here in um, Georgia, it's simply a resolution. But if we look, um, we'll, we can see that throughout the nation, Marcy's Law has been gaining traction in, in other states. So in other states, not so much here in, in Georgia, the resolution that passed, but in other states, the way this law reads, 
is that it, um, it, it broadens the definition of what a victim is. So Ryan is standing right next to me. Let's say I don't really like Ryan for some reason. And I punch him in the nose. That's assault. Simple assault. Now, Marcy's law expands the definition that not only is he the victim, but his family, let's say Brent is his uncle or brother. Brent now is also a victim of this crime. So it expands the definition of of a crime so that the victim and the victim's relatives no longer have to and this is a big one, you know, sit down. <laughs> Let's take a moment. <laughs> so we know that part of due process is that you have to be able to confront your accuser. Is that not the definition of due process? Absolutely. Yes. Isn't that like the bedrock of justice, of our criminal justice system, that I accuse you of something? You should be able to confront me. That is part of our Constitution. Well... Marcy's law takes that away. Marcy's law states that if you are the victim, you do not have to participate in the defendant's um, deposition of you. So I then can't take my attorneys and I can't then depose Ryan and Brent because they are victims. So this is a very scary thing if this ever gains traction here in Georgia as it has in other states, because we're looking at a, a windling, a, a dwindling. Is that the right word? Dwindle? I don't know. Oh, yeah. well. Finish dwindling. Windling. <laughs> we will windle down. Dwindle. You're right. Is it? Okay, dwindle. dwindle. We are dwindling down. What, email me the word I'm looking for. Yes. <laughs> so we are looking at our, our rights being crushed. Um, in the, in, in, and this is their, their battle cry. You gotta do it for the victims. And we understand as, as, as Americans that you're, what is it they always say in law and order? You are innocent until proven guilty. I learned that as a kid watching law and order. Mm-hmm. So Marcy's law takes that away. It takes away our constitutional right to due process. It's a terrible law. We need to uh, mobilize around this issue so that next year it does not gain any traction. Right now it's just a resolution. But I, again, don't really trust our our legislators. I think if there is a big enough push, this can actually become a bill. And if it passes a resolution in the Senate, a bill may come out of the Senate. Right. Are they um, are they citing any specific types of crimes that are, are being the stimulus to creating this sort of law or well the and and this is the the interesting thing about this um they're stating that oh it's traumatic for the victim to have to 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 um um, be deposed another part of of marcy's law another aspect of marcy's law is that if you let's say that you're having a bail hearing or anything, any court hearing that the defendant has to go to, the law, in quotes because it's not actually a law, would require you the would require the prosecutor to notify the victim. So if you are the victim of a violent crime, you may not. And this is how this is what they they've their rallying cry is that we are trying to protect victims of violent crimes. Well. Some victims of violent crimes don't want to participate in it. They don't want to hear. They don't want to be reminded that I've been violated. So this law takes that right of 
and, and this is a right of the victim to decide, hey, I just don't want to be bothered with this in that manner anymore. Just let it be over. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's their their rally cry is that we're doing it for the victims, uh, you know, violent crime, um, victims of violent crime. But some victims <clears throat> of violent crime just don't want to be reminded day in and day out that they have been victimized. It, it kind of reminds me of um, sexual assault cases where people say, you know, if you have to um, confront confronting your accuser, it, it can be kind of a, a difficult situation. And there is a weird fine line there where. Um, I, I totally understand where that can cause anxiety and um, that could be a, a big deal for somebody who's been a victim of sexual assault. Um, but on the other hand, again, like you said, it's the bedrock of our uh, criminal justice system and people have rights um, and people are falsely accused all the time. And, and you need to make sure that people are protected um, from, from false accusations just as much. So it, it, is, a, it is a fine line. And, and you can see both sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we as libertarians, we're always looking at the unintended consequences. I think, I think above and beyond anything else, we always look beyond the text of the law and see how it's going to affect. I know the other parties, when they're in the middle of, you know, fighting the battle on the ground of Team Red, Team Blue, they don't always look to the end result of the unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Really, the big the the big thing here is I don't want anyone going to jail that isn't guilty, and you know that's that that's a potential problem with Marcy's law because the more people who are excluded from the process, the 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 more likely that could occur. That's right. For those of you who don't know, Ryan is a candidate for PSC three. Congratulations, Ryan! Running for <laughs> running for office is a is a big step. Yeah, there are a couple of bills uh, specific, um, and I'll let you decide what order you want to talk uh, talk about them. HB one eighty nine, which is a bill that would allow municipal power companies to raise rates to offset plant vogel cost, and there's also one that's similar. That's SB three fifty five, which is a bill uh, that sunsets the Georgia Nuclear Energy Financing Act. So uh, go ahead, talk about either one of those or both. Or yeah, no, I'll, I'll just knock out both of them okay. then. Um, 355 is actually a great one. They, they got it passed. Um, the um, Georgia Nuclear Energy Financing Act was passed um, basically to help uh, Georgia Power finance uh, Plant Vogel. So they're building uh, two new nuclear reactors in, um, at Plant Vogel. It's three and four. There's already one and two there. Um, I, I don't really take a stance on nuclear necessarily. I, from what I've seen, it seems like a good op- opportunity to be more green. Um, but uh, that's not really the point of this. Basically, um, they, the reason they sunsetted it is because um, Georgia Power has already charged their ratepayers $2 billion based on this act. Um, and the project that they're funding with it has, is already five years behind schedule. Uh, it was initially expected to cost $13 billion. They recently went through and got it reapproved for $25 billion. So double, basically. So double. Okay. Um, and this bill would basically, it allows them to um, charge ratepayers for the life of the project, and it also allows them to profit. So Georgia Power is sitting there. Um, the Right now, if the project plan goes to the $25 billion, $5 billion of that $25 billion, 
and that's with a B, everyone. I keep saying it because it's with a B. It's a very large number. It's profits for Georgia Power on construction of a capital project. Right. Five billion in profit on twenty on a twenty five billion. That's right. That's that's pretty good return on that's, your money. That's right. And and it's, for, and, and, and it's before it's before the nuclear power plant is even operational. Ever before they even turn, generate they even flip the switch. Okay. Correct. So this year, um, the General Assembly said we're not going to really let this happen again. Um, everyone kind of admits that the whole project's a boondoggle. Well, except for the Public Service Commission and Georgia Power, but that's another story. Um, everyone kind of understands that it's a boondoggle and needs to be ended. The problem is, is it's a sunset. So it allows Georgia Power to continue with Plant Vogel. If you go and look at your power bill, if you have Georgia Power or a number of municipal agencies, PMCs. you'll see that you got a nuclear, you got a nuclear fee, nuclear recovery fee. So that's what this bill would sunset and not allow any other companies to do in the future. Um, and that is starting as of January 1st of this year. So it is done now. Um, but you're still going to be paying for Plant Vogel. Um, HB 189 was, um, originally it was HB 924, and you'll hear a little bit more in the future um, when Brent talks about another bill about this concept of zombie legislation. Um, but this was basically the, the same thing that will be described. Um, it was a bill that didn't make it out of committee, um, and it um, <clears throat> at that point it was supposed to be over. But um, another bill made it out of committee, passed the floor of the House, and when it got to the Senate, they basically gutted it and replaced it with the, with the innards of the other bill that didn't make it out of committee. Uh, I don't understand all the par- parliamentary rules that allows for that kind of thing, but um, I think they should be called out every single time they do it because it's obviously um, hiding things. It's obviously them trying to get something over on voters and s- them trying to get something over on their fellow congressmen. So um, this is sort of the same thing. So HB 189 was one of those bills that made it um, over crossover day. They gutted it. They filled it with this. Um, And it was a bill that would allow municipal power companies to raise rates, essentially, um, to help offset Plan Vogel costs. So they sunset this bill that makes it less more. They're financing in a more explicit way. And basically all they're doing is trying to hide it now. So they, they just raise the rates instead of charging the nuclear recovery fee, and um, it helps them to essentially keep their profits. Um, so that was it was tabled, so um, apparently somebody else didn't like it either, um, and that's, that's a good thing. So Excellent, excellent. Yep. So, so as I mentioned before, libertarians tend to look for the unintended consequences of, of legislation. And one of the bills I submitted is uh, SB 315 which is the uh, computer crimes bill. Now, you know, if you've ever been, if you've ever had your identity stolen or you've ever been the victim of malware or a virus, you know deep down inside how much it just pisses you off, okay? <laughs> when you've had your computer trashed and you, and you so, so, you know, the initial reaction there is this is a good thing. SB 315 is a... It is direct legislation because of what happened at Kennesaw. Kennesaw had a break-in, for those of you who don't know. They had a break-in to the voter, red, uh, the voter system. Now, no voter data was, was taken because it just so happened the person who broke in was what we call a white hat, someone who was actually a researcher who found out that you could get in and, you know, you could do things inside the computer. Well, Georgia did not have um, 
legislation that dealt with just breaking in. You had to commit a crime. So breaking in was not a crime. You had to actually get in, steal the data, or do something with the data to commit a crime. So uh, what they've done now is they now have made it a crime to get in illegally at all, which, you know, your, your first thought is, well, yeah, that's a great thing, except no, it's not a great thing because here are those unintended consequences. The people there are there are groups of people out there who are researchers, and they of course you know as we as we bring on more computer equipment and as we bring on more programs and as we bring on more software, infinitely there'll be holes. It's just it just happens. Mm-hmm. So there are you know there are white hats and black hats, good guys and bad guys, and the, and, and they call themselves researchers, the white hats, and they actually go out and they. They try to break into computer systems, and they do it because they're, you know, they're testing vulnerabilities. In Georgia, that's now a crime. So if you find something like that, now you're faced with, what do I do? I can't report it because if I directly report it, I've now committed a crime. If I, you know, I'm going to have to find another way around it mm-hmm. to, in order to get that information because it's important. So that again, that's one of those unintended consequences. The, you know, the security part of it is great, but now you've created a situation where, you know, beyond beyond researchers, um, you know, everyone's a criminal. But even now, a researcher's a criminal. So uh, again, legislate and. I, re- I actually reached out to my senators and and the head of the committee, and and a couple of my a uh, couple of my peers. We discussed it with them, and they didn't see the problem with they didn't see the problem with this legislation. So unfortunately, it did pass. So we'll now have to see how those unintended consequences go uh, in terms of uh, you know in terms of how the bill. Uh, how the bill goes um let's see i, I know um yeah <clears throat> other companies like um they they'll hire those white hat yeah. guys though and and then you know talk about um they'll, they'll say like i just need you guys to just hit our system you know and like i i don't imagine that's illegal based no. on this if you're no. authorized to do yes, so yes it, yes if, right? you, if you if you hire someone and and it's and it's private yeah this is more if uh i'm on a white hat team and i decide to poke around yeah and find something poking around. Before that wasn't illegal. If I found something, now it is illegal. Well, I'm not sure. I, you know, like so. Imagine you have your yard, right? Your yard has a chain link fence around it, right? You've got an acre, or right? So. You've tried to you tried to secure it, and in the back left corner, you've got a hole in your fence, right? And so you have a guy that comes around and he double checks for holes in your fence without your permission. And he goes in, and you just find him in your backyard wandering around. Are, are you happy about that, right? I mean, did he break a law? He, he, he did, actually. He's trespassing, right? The fence actually says that, you, is, is basically saying you don't want anybody on your property. So um, there's legal precedent there. Right. So it's trespassing. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on, well, so to speak, on the fence on whether or not I'm uh, upset about this bill. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think if you look at it in the sense that, it's going to curtail. Yeah, yeah. It's going to curtail yeah. people who are willing to go out and find vulnerabilities now, and and charge them with a crime. Yeah, it's a crime. So if I if I came to your house using your same uh, you know using your same scenario, if I came to your house and I stepped inside your fence and realized, hey, I could get in there, I might want to go. I might want to go back outside and tell 
you know, walk around the front and tell the guy, yeah. you know, uh, that, hey, you got a hole back there in the fence and, you know, I'm a good guy, but, yep. the, but a bad guy can get in. I can be arrested now. Thanks, Ryan. You just had me arrested because I was swell enough to tell you that a bad guy can get in the hole in your, that's in your right. fence. Yeah, that's true. So from that standpoint, that's where I have a problem with. Yeah. You know? That guy probably wouldn't be arrested today, honestly. No. Yeah. No, he wouldn't be. But arrested. he might be in this situation. Well, in this in this situation, yeah. he, you know, you you I think you put a a target on whistleblowers. Yeah. In that sense, That's true. especially if they find out. I mean, look what just happened with the city of Atlanta and their you know their crypto, <laughs> you know the, the crypto uh, virus that they that they received mm-hmm. and the ransomware. So you know those things. I mean, it it's a constant attack on systems. Yeah. Constant attack on systems. Uh, Tim. Yes, Let's sir. Let's see. We're going to go to SB 369. Oh. Now, I really like SB 369, but not in the sense that I actually like the law. <laughs> I just like that the state, the government, and it's... Let, let, me, let, me, read, let me read the title. This is, this is back... I, I wanted to... Let, let me read the title to you. This goes back to what Tim said about legalese. Okay, here's the title of SB 369. Revenues collected from fines and fees, payments to peace officers, annuity and benefit fund, fees collected in criminal and quasi-criminal cases prior to adjudication of guilt provide. All right, Tim, break that down for us. I just, I love, I want to say, I, I love awesome. how they always put it backwards. Right. So the verb goes before all yes. the subject. Absolutely. And, and it, and it just, it, it it's like, it's like uh, Yoda or something, you it's, know? It, like, exactly. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. All right, Tim, tell us all about it. So, um, back in the day, if we can go that way, um, Ryan and I had a conversation about something similar of, like this happening here in Atlanta. I don't know how we came about it. Um, but it ended up, one of us called the um, city jail and spoke to a really nice lady at the city jail. And she told us about all of these fees that one has to pay if they're ever, ever arrested. And we were like, wow, the city makes a lot of money from these fees. But, you know, my mind says that if you are found not guilty, that you should be reimbursed these fees. <laughs> well, the nice lady on the phone said, no. If you get arrested in the city of Atlanta and you go to a city jail, there are a lot of fees that you have to pay. So one of them is that um, there's a 15% fee for general cases and or 20% for traffic offenses must be paid. These fees are for city jail and driver's education training funds. The amount of $3 per offense must be paid at the time bail is posted. Said all of that to say this, this new bill now requires that you have to pay $5. Doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it's money that is being stolen from you. That inner libertarian in you that exists in all people must be screaming at this moment to know that. Well, and when you add it to the other 10 fees. So, I don't know if you recall this, but we did the math, I believe, on this. It was, we, I don't know if we did it together or, or I just did it on my own. I don't know, but I did the math on this. I know there are numbers somewhere on our Slack, somewhere in the interwebs. There is math, and it's like, my gosh, the city, this bill incentivizes the cops to arrest you. And not only does it incentivize the cops to, to arrest you, here's what it, it does. 
it goes to the Peace Officer Annuity Benefit. Oh, wait, no, that's not the $5. The $5 go to a pretrial <laughs> diversion fees. Oh, I'm sorry. So let me read my notes because I'm getting so excited. I'm, 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 I'm getting all my fees mixed up. I got to get all my fees right. So here it is. There's, we, a, there's a problem right there. I have yeah, to right. get all my fees. I, I know. There, and there is a, there's, there's a problem right there. <laughs> So, so let me let me let me refer to my notes. So it says requires five dollars of pretrial diversion fees be given to the peace officers annuity and benefit fund. Let's just take a moment. Let that soak in. Oh, let boy. that soak in. Oh boy! Every time the cops arrest you, you are now helping to guarantee that they have a parachute when they retire because it goes into their annuity fund. How have we not taken to the streets, people, that the city, that the state is requiring us to now pay for the retirement of the cops by arresting us? Mind blown. I don't understand this, but yet this was passed. And this is what, um, why I believe um, the public policy team is so important is because a lot of these things pass and people aren't aware of that. But between the public policy team and our partnership, we're trying to get the word out that we need to be more cognizant of what's going on because this is absurd. <laughs> Five dollars, and and that's how they get you. They they get you with these small fees, but when you do the math, and you got to do the math, you're like, my gosh, this really adds up. So, and, and even it, when they're passing the bills, they say, well, it's only five dollars, right? And there are other congressmen like, it's, it's only five dollars, and it's probably millions of dollars if you think about all yeah. the over over yeah. a period of time. If well, you think and, about and again, they implemented ten fees, so right. it's fifty five dollars. <laughs> really, what it is, you know? So here are the other fees that the state. Um, charges. So at the time, though, this posts an additional fee of 5% if base, bo- base bond is $100 or higher for peace officer annuity benefits. So they're already making 5% if your bond is 100% or higher. That's already going into the retirement fund for the police. Then there's an additional 10% for police and prosecutors training fund. So we are now paying the police to learn how to better arrest us so that they can earn more money in retirement. <laughs> in retirement. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, awesome. That is awesome. But that's not it. But there's more. There's more people, more peeps, more. <laughs> Sit down for this one. 10% goes to the indigent defense fund. Now what's that? Well, if you're poor and you get, you need uh, um, um, if you need counsel to be provided for you, there you go. Oh, okay. So isn't that a good thing? I mean, wait, what, yeah, what's the percentage? Ten percent. Ten percent. So ten percent to prosecutors and police. Five dollars, which who knows what percent percent that is, is going to the police as well, and then ten percent to the public defender. To the public defender's office. Yeah. Awesome. Now, <clears throat> I prosecutors are already usually paid, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. But right. I, I, I don't know. Perhaps it's just me and my tinfoil hat. I think I would much prefer not to be arrested. Therefore, I wouldn't have to be responsible for paying for becoming indigent, for paying for my defense team. Especially if you like went to jail for jaywalking or something. Well, you know, piggybacking on, <laughs> you're piggybacking on, 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 on civil asset forfeiture, right? That story that you told, I think we, we discussed it. There was a guy, an immigrant, I think he was in Camden County. 
he was carrying around forty thousand dollars because his significant other they were breaking up and it was his money and whatever the case was he didn't want her who to cares? take it really right. yeah. yeah who cares yeah exactly so in situations like that where your money gets jacked already <clears throat> how the hell do you pay for an indigent fund i mean really yeah crazy that was my lawyer money <laughs> and now it's in, you now, took it. now it's been it's been forfeited that's so, right yeah, yeah it's now in lockup yep crazy so so is that yeah well gee tim that that sounds awesome it's it's great to know that uh every time we're arrested we're going to help the cops retire um ryan hb764 actually is a good thing uh well i don't know it's a mixed bag to me right I, i'm not super into it um, this is the one that has to do with medical cannabis in the state of Georgia, which I still will not admit we have even an inkling of. Um, the way the law works right now is you can have possession of, if you're on a list, right, you got to go get registered. You can have low uh, THC C- CBD oil, and it has to have a THC content of less than 5%. Um, there is no way to actually get that drug. So you can have it, but you can't get it. There's no cultivation law. Um, and anyone who brings it in from out of state is actually committing a crime, even in the state of Georgia. Not only is it federal, a federal crime, it is a, state, a, a crime in the state of Georgia. So there's no way to get it um, unless you are a uh, sitting senator like Alan Peake who is able to receive a nondescript box. He doesn't know where it comes from, he says. I'm doing air quotes for everyone who's listening in. Um, he doesn't know where it comes from, so nobody can press charges, but he's allowed to get it and give to his constituents, which I think is a wonderful thing he's doing, but it does show the disparity in Georgia between the haves and the have-nots, because if I did it or Tim did it or, or somebody else that wasn't a sitting senator, we could go to jail for it, but a sitting senator talks about it in the AJC and you know and and that's all all fine and dandy everybody's okay with it so because um, it's him right Right. and so that shows a big problem with the way that the law is applied um in and of itself so hb 764 goes through and says that um you can actually add it adds ptsd and intractable pain to the list of treatments uh the list of treatable um diseases that you can have for um the low thc cbd oil but it still does not provide for any sort of cultivation. Um, and again, it's the low THC. People that are in the movement understand that THC is actually necessary um, for proper treatment. Um, it, it actually opens up the receptors in your body and allows the CBD to, to be more effective. Um, there's a lot of science in there. We'll probably have somebody on to talk about it someday, but now's not the time to get into it. Um, as everybody knows, the Libertarian parties for full legalization, recreation, don't really care why you're doing it, but you should be able to treat yourself with this. Um, so the reason I say it's a mixed bag is because there's no cultivation. The other thing that I don't like um, is it establishes a committee to explore cultivation options. Um, and to me, I think I, that's just a delay. So all that is is, um, I mean, we've been talking to them. The LP has been talking to them. Folks in uh, Normal have been talking to them. Uh, local what, folks. What is, what is normal? The National Organization for. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure where they yeah. are talking about but, but they a, do cannabis right, legalization right. activism it's, across the country. Right. Uh, the local chapter is called Peachtree Normal. Got it. Um, and so they, they do it. Local uh, people just go in and, and, and support this stuff. Um, they don't need a, a, a council. Just Google it. Just, just Google it. I mean, you can go on to. 
um, the the U.S. Health uh, website, and they'll talk about treatment of cancer with cannabis. If it's not, if there's no known medicinal purposes, then why are you guys talking about it in treatment of cancer, right? That's right there on us.gov, whatever. Right. So um, that that's why there's a big deal there, um, and we need to get that fixed. Right. So where? So what's the um, couple of things? Uh, the committee to explore cultivation sounds a lot like let's figure out from the state of Georgia how to. Uh, I just want to break in real quick. It's the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Thank go. you. There's our awesome. there's our Mr. Producer uh, Vo- voice of God up. over yes, there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, the the, uh, the the committee. Anytime you know, the interesting thing about the legislature is they love study committees because they will literally study something to death. Uh, but it sounds a lot like they're looking for a way to, in the event we get cultivation, let's say two, three, four, five years, they're looking for a way to either monopolize it or control mm-hmm. it. That's true. Which which would be just as bad as what we have now in the sense that, you know, it, it'll it, it'll still be high priced. Right. It'll still be there'll still be a, a limited amount of supply. And that's why regulate and tax is not a good uh, solution to this, because regulate just means that a company like Marlboro or probably going to be a tobacco company is going to come in and they're going to control the entire market. And I still won't be able to grow a plant in my backyard because Marlboro has the monopoly on it or 10 companies have have a monopoly on it. And I'm not allowed to produce. Right. So. So what. So what are the you know, what are the. when, when might we see some cultivation? Is there any time frame that you're aware of? Yeah, so they put a timeline on the committee, which is actually a good thing. It's in December of this year. they got to have it, like, wrapped up. But they're only required to meet, I think, three times between now and December. So who knows what they're actually going to learn? Who knows what they're going to do? The timeline is a good thing, um, and I'm sure the activists in Georgia are going to be reaching out to them and making sure that the right people know the right things. But um, it just doesn't It doesn't feel very good. I, I I'm not very confident that cultivation is going to come out of this. The good news is is Nathan Deal said that he would veto anything that came across his desk related to anything that looked like recreational at all, and cultivation sort of feels like that, um, and he's going to be out. So. so maybe the next governor will have a shot at convincing that governor. Hopefully. Hopefully. Tim, SB 452, which is a bill that I have – Listed as in process. Here's another. Let me let me read the title of this bill so you can <laughs> so you can uh, your eyes can roll back in your head. Criminal procedure and penal institutions. Peace officer to take certain actions. Verification that a suspect is illegal alien. Require. Tell us all about that, Tim. So this is um, a very sad um, bill. It's terrible. So what this bill requires that if you are arrested. Go through, go through trial. Um, when you get to the sentencing phase, the prosecution is required to check your immigration status. So if you are an undocumented immigrant here in the States, the prosecutor is required to notify Homeland Security and or ICE or any other similar government agency. And here's the kicker. If you are arrested and you go before the judge, and the court has a bond schedule to release you on your own recognizance, the prosecution still is required to find out if you are a documented 
or undocumented individual and to report you to ICE if you are undocumented. So let's, let's take that last part. If the judge is able to release you on your own recognizance, you can still be deported with, um, um, if this bill passes. This is another bill that we're reaching out um, to everyone and imploring everyone to, especially this year, get in front of your, your elected officials and let them know that this is terrible legislation and that we don't want this here in Georgia. It's terrible for our, 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 our economy. It's, it's terrible for just individuals and families. It's just a gross, criminally vulgar bill. Well, and like we've talked about before is um, people who are accused of victimless crimes. You want to talk about like jaywalking. It's an arrestable offense in Georgia. So let's say somebody who's Hispanic, who's undocumented, uh, is, is here in Georgia and they jaywalk and a cop sees them and says, hey, I'm going to go get that guy. Uh, because I tell you what, I, I've never been arrested for jaywalking and I've jaywalked in front of a ton of cops. But a cop can look at that guy and say, I'm going to arrest him right now. And based on this law. He's going to go in, he can look up all of his uh, records, and he can report him to ICE and have the guy deported for crossing the, the street in the wrong place. And, you know, maybe he is not here illegally, right? But, like, if he's not committing any crimes, any violent crimes, I say let them be here, let them be part of our culture, let them be part of our community, and let them contribute and give them a pathway to do that. Don't just put them in a cage and round them up, and then when we get to them, we, we send them back wherever they're going. I, I don't think that's the right way to treat human beings. No, and I think, I think, there is a, I think there's, a, there's an excellent balance between, you know, the people, and, and I, you know, I use the phrases that everyone uses, living in the shadows, you know, just call it what you want, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, if they're here, and, you know, I'm going to use illegal in air quotes, okay, because people who are here illegally, some of them are here through no fault of their own, you know, the DACA crowd. Uh, I mean, how do you, uh, where are you going to deport someone to who's never known anywhere else? <laughs> where, where are you going to deport someone who's been everything that we would want out of a U.S. citizen except for paperwork? And overwhelmingly, these people are that. Right. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. We, we listen. We hear about all that. We hear about the exceptions. We hear about the criminals. We hear about the you know the horrible things that yeah. that people do. But guess what? C- citizens are doing the same horrible things as well. That's not an excuse to you know to that. That's not to, to excuse away the crime. The fact is, on on per capita, they're a lot less likely. They being people who are undocumented are less likely to commit those crimes. Well, and the same thing with, like, Second Amendment. We talk about that right now with the shooting and all that. You can't punish a few people for the crime, or you can't punish the whole of a people for the crimes of a few, right? So if somebody goes out there and there's some violent criminals who are also illegal immigrants, you can't then say all illegal immigrants are violent. That's not fair, and you wouldn't want to be treated that way. So right. Right. Excellent. Golden point. rule. What's the status of uh, SB 452, Tim? So it passed the Senate, but it's stuck in the House. And this was a great disappointment to our lieutenant governor, Casey Cagle. Yes. Yes. He's uh, he was he was uh, rooting for this one to get out of the House. Well, he's been big uh, attacking Decatur for the sanctuary city practices, which I don't I think that's even pretty loose. I don't think they're doing too much of anything. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
All right, so we're going to wrap this up with something that I don't know if it's unique to Georgia or any or any other municipality, but we're gonna we're gonna title this zombie legislation. <laughs> you know, there are zombies. Wait, is Rick Grimes involved? <laughs> not, there, yet, not yet. Not yet. There are there are zombies roaming the halls in in the Georgia legislature, and no, they're not your legislator. These are bills that, through what I would consider legislative shenanigans, managed to come up, die, come back up again, die, come again. So I'm going to give you one example. Believe me, there are more over the years, but this is just one. So HB 660, which was the Georgia hate crime bill, got absolutely zero traction this year. It was, it was, the, it was the hate crime where it would take cert, a certain crime and elevate it to a hate crime, which as libertarians, we hate that. Yep. There is no, there is no, crime is crime is crime. There, there's no quantifying it. There's no taking a group of citizens and making them more, you know, uh, more of a criminal than, than someone else. So, so HB 660 got zero traction. Uh, SB 373 was a bill that was introduced. It was a, the judges of the superior courts, the 11th judge of the superior courts of the Cobb County Judicial Circuit, uh, appointment of such additional judge. Basically what this bill was, was Cobb County wanted to have uh, an additional judge. Fine, that happens all the time. Turns out the clerk in Cobb County miscounted. Hmm. So they didn't actually need that judge, but that bill did pass. So what happens uh, here in Georgia is we have something called crossover day, and that's basically halfway through the session. And what happens is any bill from either house, either the House or the Senate, has to pass out of that house and be submitted to the other, the other body to be voted on. If it doesn't make crossover day in that session, it's dead, meaning it's, it just lays there. And nothing happens to it. Well, they, they can pick it up the following session. Though. Correct. It's it's yeah. good. It's good for two years. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It, it's good for two. They can pick it up the following session if it hasn't had its two year. But in this forty day period, it's it's deceased right. for all practical purposes. Well, what happened in, in in the case of this zombie legislation is since SB three seventy three was passed before they realized that that other judge was unnecessary. It just sat there, and it, and it had no no one was going to do anything with it because they, they had no reason to send it to the to the house at that point. But HB six sixty was offered as a substitute to three seventy three. So if you want to go online and look these two bills up, just for your own for your <laughs> own uh, for your own purposes, you will see that the language in SB three seventy three is identical. To the language in HB 660. Now, that in itself is horrible enough, but what's worse is if you wanted to find out as a citizen about the status of the hate crime bill, you would look at HB 660 and say, okay, awesome, it didn't get out. But what you don't realize is the SB 373, the judicial uh, uh, appointment bill, which has nothing to do with with hate crime legislation, is now being sent over to the other body, and you can't search and find out anything. You don't even know who to call. You don't have any idea. And this this is one of the 
again, like Ryan said earlier, I don't know what parliamentary tricks that they have to use <laughs> yeah. to get this done, but basically this happens frequently where they will take one bill that is passed. And see, the really, the really bad part about this is they broke their own rules because HB 660 didn't make crossover day. Mm-hmm. But they take it and stick it in another bill that was approved, and now it can go to the other body, and it can be voted on, and it can go to the governor's desk, and it can be passed. And we'll have hate crime legislation that no one got to have a public hearing on, no one got notified, no one got to object to, nothing. And that, unfortunately, happens, uh, like I said, that's happened a few times. Uh, yeah, that other bill I was talking about earlier, HB 189, was exactly the same situation. So. Right. Yeah, right. They were just trying to hide it somewhere. They try to hide it. get passed. And, and uh, in my case, it didn't, which was good. Right. <laughs> right. And in this case, and in this case, 373 passed. So, you know, it's uh, I, I do not know if it was voted on um, if it was voted on by the uh, by the House, but it did violate all of, of their own rules. And yet they have no problem doing that. So that is our legislative wrap up for uh, for 2018 for this session. Thank goodness that the legislature has adjourned. Yep. So we we can all we can all grab our wallets and our liberty and uh, <laughs> and know that we're and know that we're safe for the remainder of this year. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Ryan for being here. Yep. And certainly I'd like to thank uh, Tim. Tim as well, and you know, thank both of you gentlemen for your work on the public policy committee because, you know, we really, we really have to have we have we have to be the watchdogs. Somebody has to watch these guys. Yep. And uh, and it, you know, it's been uh, it, it's been an interesting process watching, uh, you know, how the legislature works. Yep. Right now, right now, go ahead, Tim. I just want to give a shout out to our newest member of the public policy team, Dr. Dana, who is also the chairperson for the Libertarian Party of Atlanta. Yes, cool. thank you for that. Thank yeah, and, for I, that. and I would love to talk about like public policy uh, committee is doing a great job doing activism on behalf of legislation and making sure that people are educated. Uh, we also have three candidates um, who are running for state house: uh, Patrick Marcacci. Jay Strickland and Damon Kennedy uh, in 42, 52, and 90. So um, if anyone's interested in supporting them or volunteering, um, you can come out to lpgeorgia.com and, and um, sign up to, to volunteer. And lpgeorgia.com, between now and the next legislative session, will we'll be putting together a, uh, a pretty sophisticated legislative tracker that's going to allow, um, that's going to allow us to really keep up with bills as they move their way through the process so now i'm on the hook yeah i just put you on i just i just totally i just totally called you out there ryan so uh, attention project i'm on the hook for it you got got till next january that's right i mean it's you got a few months so you know you got an election coming up here soon (laughs) yeah so uh thanks thanks uh, gentlemen for attending if uh, any of this uh, sounds interesting to anybody feel free to visit us at uh, www.com LP Georgia, spell the word Georgia out, dot com. And we look forward to having you all in our next, uh, our next session. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin McLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.